So let me go ahead and jump into our sermon series this week. Uh, Christmas is this week. In case you didn't know, you have six more shopping days until Christmas. I don't know if that causes panic in any of you. All right, everyone here. Okay, two of us are not good at Christmas shopping beforehand, and everyone else here is great. You've, you've been done for weeks, probably since November, uh, and I'm very jealous of you. And so for the two of us who are still putting final touches on Christmas, uh, the kids are out of school, and we're all getting ready to get, to get to be with family and to get to be together and to get to celebrate. And, and one of the things that we've been trying to do in this series uh, for this month has been making sure that as, as we're creating memories and, and we're experiencing the nostalgia of Christmas, and it's very nostalgic, uh, you could feel it as we were singing those, those Christmas songs, right? All the nostalgia of it. What we want to make sure is that if we're not careful, we will equate nostalgia with worship. And nostalgia does not equal worship. It, it's not the same. It, it isn't. Uh, it's not that nostalgia is bad. It's just that nostalgia is not at the level of worship. So I want to make sure this Christmas season as we're spending time looking at John chapter 1 that we don't just go through the motions and enjoy all the new memories and all the family time. I want to make sure we have time where we pause and we think about the greatness and bigness and kindness of our God. I, I want us to have moments where we worship him for what he did because Christmas says some crazy things about who God is and what he does. I mean, it says crazy, crazy things. And John jumps right into the deep end in John chapter 1. So let me remind you where we've been. A couple weeks ago, we looked at the fact that, that Jesus came as God, not as a prophet, not as a teacher, but as the eternal, almighty, all-powerful, omnipresent, omniscient, creator God of the universe. Okay, I just said a whole bunch of big words. Let me say it this way. It's brain-melting what that guy did. <laughs> it's brain-melting that God came as a man. I mean, it's, it, it's so hard to wrap our brains around. It's impossible to understand the fullness of what that means. And he did all of that so that he could give us life. That was the last week. He, he came not just so that we would be religious. He didn't come to get you to go to church more. He didn't come to get us to be prettier on the outside he didn't come to make us well-polished, good citizens. He came to give us life on the inside. Not religion, not activity, not a false facade. He came to go after our deepest need. And our deepest need is that you and I are dead on the inside to who God is. We're just dead. We're not just dumb. We're not just indifferent. We're dead. And so he came not to improve our church attendance, but to totally make us alive and give us brand new hearts. That was last week. Well, this week, we see he says he's light. Now, listen, I know I'm talking deep, like it's going to be deep. Uh, part of the joy of worshiping a God who's bigger than us is that we cannot fully understand who he is. So it goes deep sometimes. So I'm asking you to join me in the depth of it all. John chapter 1, verse 1. Let me review where we've been, and then we'll pick up in verse 4 and 5 for this week. John 1, 1, he says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In other words, the Word is Jesus. And, and the Word was God he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. I'm not going to preach that sermon again, but it's deep. Verse 4, last week, in him was life. He can make us alive on the inside. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness has not overcome it. Let me skip down to verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Those are our verses for this week. John says this thing about the fact that Jesus didn't come to give life, but that life that he came, what did it say? That life that he's going to give us on the inside, that life is the light of men. Um, We don't normally talk in things like spiritually about light and darkness, at least not in most normal conversations. We talk about light like it's light, it's bright out, or it's dark, it's night out. We we don't normally talk in spiritual terms of light and darkness. But but John is using an illustration here. He's he's using an example about light and darkness. Now, I took a while because this went deep for me, so I had to spend a lot of time chewing on what is it that John is saying. So I went through the entire Bible and looked up every reference to light and darkness. And there were a lot of them. And I'm going to go through every single single one of them this morning. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm only, I'm only going to go over a few. All of you are just like, I hate it when he does this. I hate it when he goes for three hours in his sermons. I'm, I'm not going three hours in this, in this sermon. But, but, but here's the point that John is trying to make. The point he's saying is that Jesus is light. When he came, he brought life, and that life is light. And that says something about what the rest of us are, what the rest of us are in, The implication is that he is light and we are in the darkness. I don't don't like that description. You start chewing about what darkness means. Darkness is not the place that I want to be. It's it's not the place that I I want to have my entire being wrapped up in. And he's saying that, that we're darkness. Darkness is scary. Darkness is maybe not for you, but for some of us, darkness is scary Darkness is vulnerable. You, you, you can't see what's coming your way. Things hide in the darkness. Like things can get you easier in the darkness. Like the darkness is not the place that you want to be. Is that, and for some of you who are really tough and you've never been scared of the dark, uh, I have been terrified in the dark at times. Because let me tell you why. Darkness messes with you. I, I'm not saying I go to sleep with the nightlight right now. That's not, you know, like, this dude's scared of the dark. Stinking five kids. What do these kids do at night? They wake me up at night. And that's why I'm scared of the dark, because kids will wake me up. Uh, no, here's what's going on. Um, the, there's times that the darkness starts to mess with my mind. Have you ever had that happen? Like, it goes dark. I don't worry about hearing noises in the middle of the day at 1 p.m. Anybody here getting nervous? What was that noise? But, dude, dude, 11 p.m. shows up, and I hear a noise outside, and what starts going on in your head? Your mind starts playing with you because in the darkness, you don't know what's out there. You get a little nervous. Your mind plays games. There was this one time I was, uh, I was right out of college, and I was a brand-new youth pastor. I was working at this camp out in the middle of nowhere. We were out in the mountains of North Georgia. Okay, it was, it was, it was just in the middle of nowhere. And so I decided, hey, guys, let's do a camping trip. And in case you're wondering, you should never let me plan a camping trip because I'm not good at it. So I grabbed all these 9th, 10th, 11th grade boys, and they were coming camping with me. But at that point, the way I did camping was you had a fire, and you had a sleeping bag, and you had nothing else. So we literally just parked at the edge of the camp, and I walked into the woods like a quarter mile on the side of a hill. We built a fire, and we laid down no tent. Nothing. We had some food, like I'm doing hot dogs, but listen, I was a knucklehead. Okay, that's what we did. So we're out there, and everything is good as we're building the fire. Everything's good as we're playing around in the woods. Everyone's cracking jokes about, aren't there bears here? Like, everything's hilarious. Like, that's hilarious. Bears. None of us have ever seen a bear in the woods. We're not nervous about bears. Everything's great until the sun goes down. 
Now, we don't have a tent as if a tent can keep a bear off of you, right? Like, right? So, so the sun goes down and it gets darker and darker and darker. And all of a sudden I'm looking around and I realize I'm the only one that has a flashlight and none of these kids are going to do a thing. We need, all I got is a stick and plastic forks and knives. If something attacks us, we are literally, we're done. At least the slowest kid is done. The rest of us will be fine. But we, it's not good, Right? And, and so it gets darker and darker, and it, you start to feel this thing, right? When the darkness is out there and all you've got is this little fire, you can almost feel it when the moon's not out. Y- y'all experience that? Like when you're out in the woods at night and there is no light and there is no moon and you put your hand like this and you can't see anything, every noise is terrifying or could be terrifying, right? And so we lay down next to that fire in our sleeping bags, and we're all just... And I was like, hey, did you hear that? I didn't hear anything. Stop it. Stop saying that. Stop asking if I heard anything. There's nothing out there. And then you hear something, like a pine cone. But that must be a big pine cone because it's probably a bear. And it's going to wait. It's waiting for me to go to sleep. And it's going to come in and eat one of us. And then i got to face your parents. This is going to be awful. As, as if the parents are worse than the bears. Like, so we're out there. And literally, I wake up the next morning. I, we all finally fall asleep. And the fire had gone out. And I'm not kidding. Every single one of those kids, was. they were all just... They weren't spread out around the fire anymore. They were all crowded right next to me. Like, I got 10 middle school boys, like, I don't want to die. And I'm like, get up, let's go. Like, uh, the the darkness, it it will mess with you. We don't like the darkness. We know that we don't want to be in darkness. And the Bible is saying this. He's saying, hey, we are all in darkness, and Jesus came to give us life. And that life that he gives, when he wakes you up on the inside, that life that he gives is light in the darkness. How do we get that light? How do we get that life in us? It's what he did when he died on the cross for our sins and came back to life three days later. We get life by the grace and mercy and gospel of Jesus Christ, by his good news. And listen, if you've ever felt physical darkness, it can be terrifying, but, but there's darknesses that are worse than physical darkness, aren't there? You ever felt emotional darkness weighed in? You can't see it, but you feel it. It, it. it feels heavy. It weighs you down, and you can't just shake it off. And you feel like you start to lose hope, and it will never be light again, and you wonder if this darkness will ever lift. That kind of darkness, it's heavy for everyone around you. Or even worse than that is not just emotional darkness. What, when, what about when that darkness goes to the heart and it becomes spiritual? Like spiritual darkness. Have you ever been in places where there's actual spiritual darkness? I don't want to get all ooey-gooey weird on you. But if you've been in places where people's hearts have been darkened to the point that there's real spiritual darkness, it will turn people into monsters. And I don't mean three-headed monsters that come out in the dark. I mean walking human beings that will do awful things to other human beings. They will oppress. They will crush. They will use. They will destroy. If you've been to those places or if you've seen those places on the news, listen, there's a darkness that goes really deep and really dark and really dangerous. And the good news is that Jesus comes, and what does it say there? He's the light of the world. And he's not a little light. He's a light that's bright enough 
to shine into all the darkest places. Like the darkest place you've ever been, the darkest place you can ever imagine, he can shine light there, and not just a little light. Like, we're talking about the type of power that takes the darkest night and turns it to bright as the middle of a sunny noonday. I'm talking bright, like daylight bright. He can turn darkness into light. That's our hope in the gospel. That's, that's what John is saying that Jesus does. So, so I want to look at a few things. I, I picked three things out of all the things that I saw in the Bible about light and darkness this past week. So I want to look at three ways that light defeats darkness based on what John just said here. And I know we don't normally use this, but, but let's look at these. The first one is this. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you can turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Here's... Here's Paul talking. Here's what he says in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, And even if our gospel is veiled, or it's covered, or it's hidden, you can't see it. Even if the good news is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In other words, he's saying, listen, our gospel feels hidden, not because we're not saying it. but that It's like people can't, they don't get it, they don't understand it, they can't see it as good news. It seems beyond them. He's saying, if it's veiled... How did it get veiled? How is it getting covered? Look at verse 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Here's the first thing that we see that darkness does. Darkness blinds and deceives you. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, this, the gospel's veiled. It feels hidden. Like people can't get it. And the reason that we can't get it is because what the enemy has done is he's blinded us. He, we, we can't see it. Our, our eyes are blind. We don't see the light of the gospel of Jesus because we're not able to because we're blind. That's, that's a pretty dark thing right there. It's saying that there's no way for you to see it and to understand it. That, and the deception gets worse than that. The deception is so bad, not just that we're blind. The deception can get so bad that we don't know we're blind. We think we see. And we actually start thinking that darkness is light and that light is darkness. That's what Jesus says to the Pharisees in John chapter 9, verse 39 through 41. He makes this statement to them. They're in this fight about well, they're always fighting Jesus about stuff. Look at what he says to them in John chapter 9. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see. Words, I came here so the people who don't see, that they'd be able to see. That those who do not see may see, and that those who see, look at this, those who see may become blind. Well, what is he saying? Did he say that he came to make us blind? He, he explains it more in the next verse. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Like, are you saying that we're blind? And his statement is this in verse 41. If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. See, so here was the fight Jesus said. Now that's like weird talk that Jesus does because sometimes he talk in a way that hid things. Here's what he's saying. You Pharisees, you religious people, you think you're good and you think you see clearly. And I'm showing up here saying, hey, I'm here to save you. And you're saying, I don't need you to save me. I'm seeing things just fine. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees thought they were right and that Jesus was wrong. 
They thought he was the enemy. They thought he was the wicked one. They thought he was the one that was wrecking people. And in reality, according to Jesus, Jesus was saving people. And these Pharisees who thought they could see, they were more blind than anyone else. And they were religious. And they were clean. And they knew the Old Testament. And they bend their entire lives to follow him. And Jesus is saying, it's not just that you're blind. It's that you're blind and you think you see. Listen, that, that's a dangerous darkness, everyone. A darkness that is so bad, it deceives you and makes you think you see everything right when you see it wrong. Have you not seen this today? It's happening all over the place in our culture today. You proclaim the good news of Jesus and people say that's bad news. That's awful news. That's oppressive. That's used to control people. There's all these arguments against instead of saying, is that true? Is it true that we're really deceived? Is it true that our hearts are darkened and dead? Is it true that we need a Savior? We don't ask if it's true because we believe that we know what's light and dark all on our own. That's the darkness that blinds you. Listen, the first thing is that darkness blinds and deceives, but the light takes away your blindness and lets you see. That's one of the things that light does. It helps you see clearly. Let me keep reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, Paul goes on to say, verses 5 and 6, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. We go down to verse 6. For God who said, "Let let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Here's what he's saying. While the, gospel, while, while the darkness blinds you, the gospel gives you light, and not just in your eyes, it gives you light on the inside so that you can see clearly. It, it takes it away. That What has to happen is that God shows up and he shines in your heart and you can begin to see clearly, regardless of how bad your past is or how good your past is. What you need is not a good past or a bad past. What you need is someone to come in and shine in your heart. And when Jesus came, when he came at Christmas, he didn't just come to give us light, or or life. He he came to give us light. I need to be careful because I'm going to trip up on life and light this whole time. He came to give us light. He came to help us see things rightly. But here's the other thing that darkness does. I, I I think that one might feel obvious to some of you. But, but if you haven't seen the light, it may not be obvious. The second thing that darkness does is darkness hides things. It, it's places where your enemies can easily hard, hide. Darkness is a friend of our enemies, and it doesn't feel like it's our friend. But, but there's another thing that happens in darkness. It's not just where our enemies hide. It's where you and me can hide. Like you can really hide in the darkness, Right? One of the things I've always wanted to do, I've actually done it with my kids here. We played like hide and go seek. You probably don't want to hear this. In this room and in the basement downstairs. Have you guys been in the basement when it's dark? It's pitch black. Perfect for laser tag. Perfect for hide and seek. Um, I mean, it, it's awesome. And the reason it's great for hide and seek in that basement is because there is no light down there. It is pitch black. And you can hide in some awesome places down there in that basement. And my kids are finding all the nooks and crannies to hide. As a matter of fact, we were decorating the stage. I kept losing my four-year-old or three-year-old because he would just he got too comfortable. He would just wander off. We'd be putting trees up, and all of a sudden, Xander's gone, and we're chasing him around, and he knows way too many nooks and crannies around here. Like, it's hard to find someone because you can hide in the darkness. 
Look at what John says about this. He's in John chapter 3, if you look over to what he says, because he's talking to Nicodemus. And he's been talking about life, but now he shifts to light. Look at what he says here. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light. Why in the world would you love darkness more than light? He says why. Because their works were evil. I don't like this. This is bad news. Verse 21. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed, made visible. One of the reasons that the darkness is everywhere is because we like the darkness because we can hide in the darkness. It's, It's easier to look pretty in the dark. Uh, makeup can do so much, but the dark covers the rest of it, right? Like, it's easy to look pretty in the dark. It's easy to look skinny in the dark. It's easy to look perfect in the dark. It's easy to look dressed up and nice like you have it all together in the dark. Because it's hidden and it's secret. And it can stay in the dark and it can fester and it can grow. But in the darkness, it's never addressed. And what happens in the dark is those things that we hide, that make us look good, that make us feel respectable, that stay hidden, they grow and they grow and they grow until they own you. Listen, sometimes we like the darkness because we can hide in the darkness. Ephesians says this crazy thing. Let me flip over there to Ephesians chapter 5. It says this in Ephesians chapter 5. It says this in verse 8. Because it's not just that you can hide in the dark. The, the light reveals things in the dark. And I'm going to show you why here. Verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 5. For at one time you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. You used to be darkness, but now you're light. Walk as children of light. Let me skip down to verse 10 or verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Verse 13, look at this. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Here's the deal. What, what he's saying here, he's saying, listen, when things stay hidden in the darkness, we, we don't even like to talk about those things. When those things stay hidden in the darkness, they cannot be addressed. But when the light shines on it, it's not a light to shame you and to disgrace you and to break you down. It's not a, he's not taking the light saying, see, look at how dirty you are. I told you you were filthy. You disgust me. That's not how he uses the light. He shines the light to say, see, I, I told you you were sick, and I can heal you. I, I told you you were broken, and I can make it better. Stop hiding and pretending that it's okay, and bring it to the light of the good news of Jesus so that he can heal it. I'm, I'm afraid sometimes we've used this as a way to shame people and to break people. You've got to bring it out to the light so we can all know about it so that we can ruin you or gossip about you or look down on you. and It makes us stay hidden. And the point is not to bring it to the light to be shamed. It's to bring it to the light to be made whole, to be saved, to be clean. 
Listen, church, God, God wants to heal you. He wants to make you all right. He, wa- he wants to make you whole. And when you stay hidden, it won't happen. I know it's scary. It's really, really scary because sometimes you're not sure that it's all going to turn out all right when you bring it to the light. But he's telling you that he will make you whole. I think that's good news, church. Like we, we don't do it with anything else, or we shouldn't if we're sane. You, know, you don't drive down the road and hear a weird noise that your car's making saying, I'm just going to pretend it's not making that noise because I don't want to go to the mechanic and him tell me the true news of what state my car's in. Well, I mean, you might do that. Do you do that? Okay. Yes, three of us do that. Don't do it. I mean, I guess you can for a while. But at some point, someone needs to listen to that noise and say, you got a problem. It needs to get fixed before it gets worse. You, you don't want to do that with something that's growing on you, right? You get like some kind of lump on you. You don't go, I think I'm going to ignore that. Just pretend it goes away. Put some ice on it. At some point, you go, you know, I probably ought to go to the doctor, right? If you're a person and you've got some kind of cancer thing, you say, I don't want to hear it, doc. And he's like, you know what? You know what? I don't want to say it. That's good news. Let's agree to not talk about the cancer that you have ever again. And maybe it'll just go away and you'll be okay. Is that a good choice? That's a really bad decision. What you do is you go to the doctor, and what you want the doctor to do is to shine the light on it and say, this is cancer, and we need to fix it. But for some reason, with the things of the heart, we don't shine the light on it. Don't call it cancer. Don't tell me it's my transmission. I don't, la, 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 I'm not listening. And we just go on our way, and it festers, and it eats. We're driving down the road, and it's, it's, and you're, I'm not going to talk about it. Everything's great. Our whole family's happy in this thing. And the engine's about to drop out the bottom. You, you need him to shine his light Not so he can shame you, so he can save you and heal you. And that gets me to the third thing that light does. 1 John chapter 1. Still talking about John? Here's the deal. The the third thing is the darkness isolates you, but light allows you to be in loving relationships, to love and to be loved. The darkness will isolate you because you'll stay hidden. You'll stay unknown. You'll stay behind a mask and a facade. But when, when the light shines, when the light heals, it frees you up to engage in a type of relationship that is loving and authentic with the other people in the church. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. This is John writing later on after he's written the Gospel of John, and he says this. But if we walk in the light, this guy loves this light talk. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, look at what we have. We have fellowship with one another. If I'm in the light, I get relationship here. Like real, authentic, not fake, not plastic, not hidden. I get real relationship here. Chapter 2, he says something real similar. Look what he says in chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. He says, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother 
is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Whoever hates his brothers in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I ask questions like, how does this work? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, when you're in the light, when you get saved by Jesus and he changes you and you experience what it's like to bring your brokenness and the sin and he shines a light on it and it looks really bad and then you see him really change it and really forgive you and really be patient and he walks alongside us as we're chipping through all that junk in our lives and all that sin and all that brokenness. When I experience that, it's supposed to do something that gives us relationship. So how does that work? Well, here, here's how I think it works. So I was just chewing on this process. So, so you experience the light, and you experience what it feels like. It feels hurtful. It, it, it hurts your eyes to have the light shine when you've never known it. it. It feels awful when you see that picture of yourself. But when he cleans you, you realize that being in the light was worth it. You realize it's worth it. And then you taste the freedom of walking with him. And he knows all the worst and darkest things about you. And he still loves you and he still wants to be in relationship with you. He knows all of it. And he didn't walk away. He, he leaned in closer. Did you realize that? That's what, that's what Jesus is doing at Christmas. He's looking at you and me and being like, dude, that dude is a wreck. And he didn't go, uh, we need to, I need a little time out from this relationship. Can we, let's see other people. He, he didn't do that. At Christmas is God leaning in to you and me when he's seen all of our filth. You ever experienced that in a real relationship? Maybe that moment that you were first dating or engaged or married and you laid out all your faults before your spouse. Or maybe you didn't have to lay it out. Maybe they saw it clearly. They didn't leave. They, they leaned in. What does that do for you? When you've been accepted like that, like really accepted, and the person leans in and says, come here, I, I still love you. I want to be with you. There's a freedom there. There's a freedom there's a healing because I don't have to hide anything. We can have real, deep, authentic relationship and we're fully known as best as we can know each other. Listen, when you taste that, it frees you to love other people. I don't have to worry about what you think about me. I don't have to be nervous about it because I've already been fully accepted. You may walk away and it may hurt, okay, fine, but Jesus isn't walking away. And not only that, but since I've tasted light, I can give you light. You can come and lay out all your rawness in front of me. And I'm thinking, well, if Jesus cleaned me, he can handle that, no problem. I've seen the light work. And if the light worked on me, then I know it can work on you. doesn't matter how big it is or how bad it is. You know what that's like in relationship? I'm afraid we don't know that in church. I'm afraid what we know in church is we know show up, sit down, stay hidden, share just enough to make them think you're engaged, but not enough to be really, really known. 
Again, I get you don't talk to a room full of strangers about all the deep, dark secrets of your heart. I'm not telling you to go and vomit on everyone, all your emotional baggage. But there should be some people in the church who were close enough, right? Yet somehow I, I think we, we show up and we're able to talk about the verses and talk about the week. You, you'll see it if you do prayer request time sometimes. Oh, now I'm meddling. I know I'm meddling, but I'm going to go there anyways. You see, when you share prayer requests, um, we're, we're praying for so-and-so's aunts, cousins, roommates because they have a bunion on their foot or whatever's kind of going on. Uh, but we're not really sharing much about our real selves, right? When tragedy hits, we might really share about that. But the real nitty-gritty, like the, the times when all of a sudden you feel like your marriage is being shaken to its core, the people you run to, the people at the church, probably not. When your marriage is shaken to its core, the last people you want to know is the church. Man, that doesn't sound like light. It sounds like darkness. And John is saying that the church has relationship with one another that is deep and real and authentic and loving and is light. We've learned something else. And the only way to unlearn it is to be in the light. Listen, we, we learn all sorts of stuff about being in the darkness and about being hidden and being respectable. But it's not about being respectable. It's about being loved and being in the light. So church, I want to challenge you today. Be, be in the light be in the light with Jesus. Be loved by him. Let him let you see things clearly. Let him help protect you from being hidden and reveal the things so they can be healed. And don't let it isolate you. Let light bring you into relationship with one another. So let me call, tell you a few things I'm calling you to respond on today. Here's some ways for you to respond to what we've said. No, number one, worship Jesus for being light. I want you to worship him for being light. Maybe, maybe just in awe of the fact that he would do that for you. N number two, maybe the thing you feel is that you've been hidden. We need to repent of hiddenness. If you've hidden and you've maintained a good facade, repent of that and engage in deep relationship with some people in this body. Like real relationship. You can't do it with everyone. You can engage relationship with some. There's ways to do it. You can engage in a small group. You can engage in Sunday school class. Like get in some groups Get together with two or three other dudes every week for coffee or lunch and be honest and open with one another and be in a loving relationship. But do not stay isolated. The other thing is this. Man, it doesn't just say that he is the light. Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Listen, I want God to let us be light to this city to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our friends, to our family members. Listen, I think we can be light, and it's not light by being a fake type of clean. It's like by being a people who have met Jesus, been changed by him, and there's this deep relationship that we're able to engage in where we know and are known, where we love and are loved, not because we're all the same, but because we've all been saved by Jesus. That will make us light what Jesus said in John, he said, they'll know you by your love for one another. Church, let's be the light.
Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to guide us through a time of response. And this won't be long. Here's what we're going to do. Right there in your seat, I want you to do business with God. As, as the music plays here in a moment, this is time for you just to simply talk with God. If, if you want to come pray at the altar, this altar will be open for this entire time. If you need to speak to someone, we'll be down front. But as the music plays, I want you to do business with God. Either worship Him for being light or repent of hiddenness or, or commit that you're going to engage in some type of way to, to build relationships with people in the church. There's one last thing I want to share before I let you just pray quietly there. For some of you today, we all this talk about light, the thing that stood out to you is that's actually what you need. You, you need to place your trust in Jesus and ask him to save you for the first time. Listen, if you felt God calling you to that, felt him working in your heart, listen, don't resist him. Let me tell you what the good news is. That the good news is not that you have to earn it. The good news is not that you have to behave the good news is that Jesus came and died on the cross because we couldn't earn it and because we couldn't behave. We, we needed a Savior. So he came and he died on the cross and he came back to life three days later. And here's what he says. If, if you'll place your trust in me and ask me to save you, he says he'll save you. He'll give you a new heart and he'll change you. He'll give you light. Listen, if you've never done that, right now in your seat, I want to encourage you just to ask him to save you to repent and simply say, God, I need you. So right now as this music plays, this is your chance to respond to Jesus. I'll be quiet while you do business with God. Heavenly Father, God, we, we confess that uh, we really need you to be light. We need you to save us and to clean us and, and help us actually face what you, who you said we are, that we're a people who need a Savior. And God, I pray for us as a church that you would make us a people that would experience the light and that we would lean into deep relationship with one another because of the light. God, make us those people. Make us loving. Help us not to be afraid. I, I pray our relationships will go, grow deeper and more authentic. I, I pray when tragedy strikes, there'd be people in the church we would reach out to who would, who would walk with us. When, when sin is owning us, God, I pray you would help us to reach out to our friends at the church so we could walk alongside each other. God, I'm, I'm praying we would be a real church that knows one another and is known by one another. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, it's been good to worship with you today. I pray as you leave here today, you would leave here knowing that Jesus came to be light. If you're visiting today, we'd love to meet you. If you talk, one of our pastors will be down front. I pray you have a great week, and we'll see you next time.